Welcome to another edition of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives, featuring people of all colors, ages, and perspectives, sharing their authentic experiences and understanding through dynamic storytelling in front of a live audience. The story you're about to hear was told by Judith Stone at our live storytelling event in October, when the theme was Forces. Judith is a writer and published author of the Billy the Buffalo children's books and a biography of Southern Ute elder Russell Box Sr., Her daily dose of self-care and inspiration comes from the earth, the most loving mother on this planet. Here's Judith's story. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Oh, gosh. To me, um, the forces in the universe that guide our lives are the most real things that can't be seen. And um, a lot of times we just don't know that they're influencing us. But I knew this day, after this day. (laughs) So, August 23rd, 2002, my life changed forever. You see, I was receiving an answer to the burning question of what I'm here to do, writing being only a hobby at this point. And even though I was receiving this answer, I I didn't hear it, and I was ignoring it and dismissing it with things like, I've got family, I've got kids, my kids are little, I don't have time for this now, I'll do this later. I've got a business to run, I don't have time for this now, I'll do this later. And I've got a household to run, and I don't have time for this, so I will do this later. And isn't it amazing when you look back how hindsight always gives you such clarity. (laughs) So, I lived in the San Luis Valley, 18 miles away from Wolf Creek ski area, 18 miles up Wolf Creek Pass, which is listed as one of the most top dangerous passes, 10, top 10 most dangerous passes in the world. This day I was going up to the ski area because my daughter had her last day of ski school. Ordinarily this was my daughter and husband's father-daughter thing to do, but he was in Denver taking a class, so the task was mine to do this day. And I packed up my seven-year-old daughter Autumn's things and my two-year-old son Rio's things in diaper bag, even though I kept having foreboding feelings saying not to go. I kept ignoring those as well and dismissing them because it was her last day of ski school and I could not let her miss the party that they were gonna have. But the one thing I did manage to hear was my husband who said to me, wear your hiking boots because there's no really designated sidewalks at this ski area. And it's a good thing I did because that's how I climbed out of where I ended up. So we got up to the ski area, beautiful turquoise, blue skies, dry roads. My daughter skied all day. My son ran around the huge building all day. Couldn't, he is all boy. Uh, he ran around after him all day. <laughs> And he delighted in that party, but he pooped himself out, which is a good thing. Because when I put him in his car seat and fastened the clip that goes across his chest that holds, secures his shoulder straps, he left it alone. And he had just learned, he went right to sleep, he had just learned how to take that off. And if he had done that, he wouldn't be here. So we're starting to descend the pass. The roads were icy because it had snowed all day at the ski area. 
And anyone knows who has ridden road Wolf Creek Pass, that its summit of 10,856 feet can be horrible weather, but 10 miles, seven miles, five miles below can be dry and sunny. So as we left the ski area, there was a tourist riding my bumper and I actually pulled over for that person and said, no, I'm not taking the pass like that, go right ahead. So I, I made my way down slowly. And as we reached the lower tunnel, which was a week away from opening, we had to take the old road, which was a cliff following the Rio Grande River. So as we turned that on the road, I was not going more than 15 miles an hour. I started to go into some outcropping of rocks and not wanting to do this, I started to turn my wheel and told myself not to hit the brake, which I never did. But I kept turning the wheel because I wasn't getting a response. And when I did get a response, we fishtailed. And since the road was a downhill slope and it was icy, we went to the edge. There was no one there to see us, no one there that I saw. And we started to go off. There was no snowbank to stop us because that was a drought year and there were no guardrails. And my last words could have been, oh shit. <laughs> the seatbelt was holding me in. Then, it, then I slammed back against the chair as we started to tumble down that mountainside, uh, rolling over huge boulders that they couldn't get out. When, uh, from the lower tunnel construction. They had to leave them there. We rolled over those. Huge clouds. Each time we hit the land, huge clouds of, of snow mixed with debris and stone blew, flew all around the vehicle. The sounds of twisting, grinding, whining metal as the, as the car started to collapse around us. Tempered glass windows that blew out and as the car was crushing like an aluminum can, and debris in the car was flying everywhere too. In fact, I had just started a book, David Crosby, Stand Up and Be Counted, that I never got to finish because it was never found again. <laughs> and so, as we tumble down the mountain, the last sound I heard is the roof caving in, or crushing up on me, because we were upside down. And I know being a nurse that, that when that metal hit my head, I'd be dead. That's it, I'm dead, I said to myself. And in that instant, but also frame by frame, in slow motion, it is the most bizarre thing, it's simultaneous. I had an experience that I will try to describe to you because our language really doesn't have the words for what I need to say. I went out of my body and it's kind of like floating when you're floating on water in still, still water. But it's different because every fiber of your cell feels lighter. It gets incredibly light. There's this beautiful loving energy that I felt and it was around, all around me, through me. I, I, I really can't describe this because it's beyond love but it was so incredibly loving and light. I had no worries. I never thought about a thing. I never thought about the accident. I didn't think about my children, which still blows my mind. And so suddenly, I'm in this place that's pitch black. I can't see my hand in front of my face. My native friends told me later that I was in the void, the place where the creator lives. So as soon as I start to ask myself where I am, 
I hear this beautiful, loving voice that comes out of the darkness, and it says to me, the only thing you get to take with you when you leave this planet is the love you create. I'm gonna say that one more time. The only thing you get to take with you when you leave this planet is the love you create. <laughs> My mind flooded with a million questions instantly, and but as soon as I thought of one syllable, I was hanging back up upside down in my body. My seatbelt was holding me. And I was saying to myself, can I move my arms and legs and hands? Am I paralyzed? And I wasn't. Then I thought of my children, and I wondered, are they alive? But I heard them crying, so I knew they were. And I asked my daughter, who was in the seat behind me, the first bench seat, if she could get out of her seatbelt. And she said, yes, Mom, I'm already out. And I said, well, I'm going to get out of mine, and I'm going to help you. And I went to the second bench where my son was. The second bench had come forward. And hit the button to release that car seat was at the bottom, and I could not move that bench. Nobody had seen us, so I knew we were alone. And it was dusk, and I knew that I had to get us out of there once we got out of where we were. I had to get us down the mountain. And we still, there was no cell service in that part of the, the pass. So. I sat back, and this is the first time I started to get worried. And I didn't know what to do, but I heard this voice that said, try pushing it again. So I said, OK. And this time, it was like pushing a pillow. And so I popped the button. Out he dropped, and he was fine. And at this time, I start hearing a, a person outside saying, ma'am, ma'am, are you OK? And I said, we're fine, and I'm going to send my children out, and then I'm coming out. So I sent my children out. The key, the, I realized the car was still running, tried to get my house keys out of it, finally did, left the car running, and I get outside, and to my surprise, that whole mountain, there are people at the top of that mountain. There's a rope halfway down the mountain. There, men are handing my son off to one another. My daughter's reaching the mountain, and I turn to this man next to me, and I say to him, thank you so much. Tell me your name. I want to hug you and say thank you and he said okay and he told me his name and I said I'll, I won't remember your name and when he hugged me it was exactly like I felt when I was in the void and his eyes were so beautiful and it wasn't until much much later that I understood that I had seen my my guardian angel in the flesh why did I tell him I was not going to remember his name later on that evening I also realized my daughter had gotten out of her seat by her, her car, her seatbelt by herself. And so I asked her how she knew to do that. And she looked at me and nonchalantly said, Mommy, the, the angels, Mom, they were everywhere. <laughs> and I laughed and I said, Yes, they were. <laughs> and I will tell you that this day changed my life because I did become a writer. I started to hone my skills and made time for that. And it was a good thing, because I needed that time. <laughs> I thought I was good. I wasn't good yet. I needed that time. And that was the right timing. The other thing I realized that day was that it is my choice every single day to use the gifts that I have been given or not. It is my choice every single day to create love or not. And I am not perfect 
by any means, I'm a human, <laughs> so I will make mistakes. But I try to keep that in mind and try to do that because I understand that that's all I'm going to get to take back with me. That's it. <laughs> Thanks, Judith, for telling that story. To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share the stories with your friends. If you want to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to ravennarratives.org and fill out the form on the contact page. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers and find out what the themes will be at upcoming events. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Special thanks goes to our sound engineering wizard, Mike McAllister, for his technical expertise in recording and mixing the Raven Narrative stories told at the Sunflower Theater. Support for the Raven Narratives comes from Red Scarf Shots Photography Studio in Durango, Colorado. Find out more at redscarfshots.com.